Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 12 of the UK's first Freedom of Information podcast. I'm Ibrahim Hassan. In March and April 2008, the Information Commissioner published 44 decisions, whilst the Information Tribunal published 15. I'm here to guide you through some of these. In this episode, amongst others, we'll be discussing decisions on how to decide which regime applies to an information request, information available on websites, disclosure of correspondence with counsellors, the Section 38 exemption for health and safety, disclosure of names of employees and those attending meetings, more guidance as to when legal advice should be disclosed, and when price information can be withheld under Section 43. There have been many decisions in the past three years on whether information is governed by the Environmental Information Regulations or Freedom of Information. We discussed some of these in Episode 5. The definition of environmental information is very wide under the regulations, and this has led to many public authorities concluding that if the subject matter of a request relates to the environment, then the request has to be treated as an EIR request. A recent Information Commissioner decision involving DEFRA, dated the 9th of April, shows that the issue is not as straightforward. The complainant requested, amongst other things, the release of briefing notes, background evidence and advice in relation to the issue of redress for farmers whose non-GM crops were contaminated by GM crops. The Commissioner agreed with DEFRA that this was an FOI request even though the subject matter seemed environmental. He ruled that in order to be considered environmental information, the requested information must be definable as information on any of the six subjects set out within Regulation 2.1 of EIR. Given that the subject matter of this request dealt with issues relating to GM crops, this would seem at first glance to put the request fairly comfortably within the confines of the environmental regulation. However, here the documents with which this request was concerned did not constitute information on the state of the environment. They were documents dealing with compensation for farmers in relation to a situation that happens to be an environmental one. Consequently, the Commissioner decided that the information had been correctly withheld under Section 35 of the Freedom of Information Act. Section 21 allows a public authority to withhold information which is reasonably accessible by other means. Usually, this means pursuant to another legal right of access or through the public authority's own publication scheme. Section 21 also applies if the requested information is available for download from an accessible website. So ruled the Information Commissioner in a decision involving the Commission for Local Administration in England dated the 25th of March. The complainant requested, amongst other things, copies of legal guidance provided to the Commission by various bodies, including the Information Commissioner. The Commission acknowledged that it did hold some of the guidance produced by the Commissioner, but applied the exemption in Section 21, since the information was publicly accessible on the Commissioner's website. The Information Commissioner agreed with this approach, although his decision is currently under appeal to the Information Tribunal. Decisions about the Section 21 exemption often place emphasis on the words reasonably accessible. A public authority cannot just point an applicant to a large website. It would be different if the public authority provided a link or some other direct reference to where the requested information can actually be found. This was the ruling of the Information Tribunal in Christopher Ames and the Information Commissioner and the Cabinet Office dated the 28th of April. The Tribunal overruled the Information Commissioner in his decision involving the Cabinet Office 
dated the 27th of September 2007. In that decision, the Commissioner ruled that Section 21 applied to a request for details of the person or persons who drafted the executive summary of the Iraq dossier just because some of the information relevant to the request was on the Hutton Inquiry website. The Tribunal stated that Section 21 requires the information requested is accessible by other means. It's not sufficient that there is other information or evidence accessible which is relevant to the request on a large and complex website like that of the Hutton Inquiry. Local authorities are increasingly being asked for internal correspondence between officers and between officers and councillors. Section 36.2b allows information to be withheld if, in the reasonable opinion of the qualified person, disclosure would or would be likely to inhibit the free and frank provision of advice or the free and frank exchange of views for the purposes of deliberation. This exemption was claimed by Cumbria County Council in a decision of the Information Commissioner dated the 18th of March. The complainant requested details surrounding the council's decision to close a literacy centre in Carlisle. The information was identified by the council as letters and emails between officers and councillors, between different officers of the council and also one letter received by the council from an MP. The commissioner concluded that it was unreasonable for the council to apply the section 36 exemption to emails between officers of the council. They were merely clarification emails between officers in the normal course of their employment and did not have a political element to them. However, in relation to correspondence between officers and councillors, the Commissioner ruled that the Section 36 exemption was applicable, but the public interest in maintaining the exemption did not outweigh that in disclosing the information in this instance. He considered that the information was not particularly sensitive at the time the request was made, as the policy had already been voted upon by councillors. The Commissioner gave greater weight to the public interest in the promotion of better government through transparency and informed and meaningful participation by the public in the democratic process. The Section 38 exemption applies where disclosure would or would be likely to endanger the physical or mental health or safety of an individual. In a decision involving the Home Office dated the 4th of April, the complainant requested the names of three former ministers provided with the use of a government car. The Home Office disclosed the name of one minister, but refused to disclose the names of two others, citing Section 31 and Section 38. The Commissioner found that in the specific circumstances of this case, and with considerable weight placed on the information already in the public domain, the Section 38 exemption is not engaged. He noted that disclosing that a minister has the use of a car would not explain the level of security associated with the car or any of the other security measures in place to protect the former minister. The Commissioner also considered that if a potential attacker were to plan an attack on a former minister, he or she would research and observe their target and this would identify what security measures were in place. Under Section 40, if an applicant makes a request for his or her own personal data, then there is an absolute exemption. The request must, though, be treated as a request under Section 7 of the Data Protection Act. The Commissioner doesn't consider it necessary for the applicant to make a further request under the DPA, but the public authority can ask for the statutory £10 fee. It is still necessary, though, to issue a refusal notice explaining that the Section 40 exemption applies. This was the conclusion of the Information Commissioner in a decision involving Devon and Cornwall Constabulary dated the 12th of March.
The issue of whether names of employees should be disclosed has been a vexed question ever since freedom of information came into force. The key issue is whether the employees whose information is being sought have an expectation of privacy and whether that expectation is reasonable. A recent decision involving St George's Healthcare NHS Trust, dated the 19th of March, suggests that as far as individuals' employment information is concerned, the age of the information is relevant to the reasonableness of the expectation of privacy of the subject. Here the complainant requested the names of the doctors who had previously worked in a particular hospital department between the years 2000 and 2004. Because this was a period predating the right of access introduced by the Act in January 2005, the Commissioner accepted that the individual registrars covered by the scope of this request may have had an expectation that the fact that they previously worked at the Trust would not be disclosed. He therefore concluded that the Trust was correct to withhold the information on the basis of Section 40. In this case, the complainant was asking for historical data which goes back over a significant period of time. In the Commissioner's opinion, if the Trust received a request for the names of registrars currently working at one of its hospitals, these registrars should expect their names to be disclosed under the Act. Another difficult issue is whether the names of those attending a meeting should be disclosed pursuant to an FOI request. The tension again is between the individual's right to privacy and the public's right to know. The Information Tribunal decision in the Department for Business, Enterprise and Regulatory Reform and the Information Commissioner and Friends of the Earth, dated the 29th of April, gives further guidance on this point, including whether the names of private sector employees should be disclosed. The request was for information about meetings and correspondence there had been between ministers and or senior civil servants in the government department and employees of the CBI. Some of the documents relevant to the request included references to individuals who had attended such meetings as spokesmen or as note-takers or bystanders. At paragraph 101, the tribunal summarised the position as follows. Senior officials of both government departments and lobbyists attending meetings and communicating with each other can have no expectation of privacy. The officials to whom this principle applies should not be restricted to the senior spokesman for the organisation. It should also relate to any spokesperson. Recorded comments attributable to such officials at meetings should similarly have no expectation of privacy or secrecy. In contrast, though, junior officials who are not spokespersons for their organisations, or merely attend meetings as observers or stand-ins for more senior officials, should have an expectation of privacy. The question as to whether a person is acting in a senior or junior capacity, or as a spokesperson, is one to be determined on the facts of each case. And finally, the extent of the disclosure of information in relation to each named official will be subject to the usual test. In other words, is disclosure necessary for the applicant to pursue a legitimate interest, and, even if it is, is the disclosure unwarranted due to the harm caused to the individual by disclosure. This will largely depend on whether the information relates to the person's business or professional capacity or is of a personal nature unrelated to business. On the face of it, this decision is contrary to the recent tribunal decision in Harkup and the Information Commissioner and Yorkshire Forward, dated the 5th of February, which we discussed in episode 11. In episode 7, we discussed the cases of Calderdale Council and City of York Council 
who both received separate requests under the Freedom of Information Act for details relating to the retirement packages of former directors. Both councils refused to disclose the information, stating that it constituted personal data and so was exempt under Section 40. The Information Commissioner agreed with their approach. In the light of these cases, it seems surprising that the Commissioner recently ordered Doncaster College, in a decision dated the 19th of March, to disclose the severance payment to its former principal pursuant to a compromise agreement following a disciplinary investigation. Doncaster College pointed to a confidentiality clause in the compromise agreement between itself and the former principal. This was similar to the one relied upon by City and County of Swansea, dated the 2nd of October 2006, to refuse to disclose the severance payments to its former chief executive. We discussed this decision in episode 2, where the Information Commissioner agreed that the Section 40 exemption applied. The distinguishing feature in the Doncaster decision was that the college principal would have known about the Learning and Skills Council's guidance for colleges on the production of accounts. This contains an express requirement on colleges to disclose the amount of severance costs for each year. The accounts of the college to be published at a later date would therefore contain details of the former principal's severance payment and would be a matter of public record accessible to anyone. Therefore, the Information Commissioner did not consider that disclosing the information at the time the request was received would be unfair or that the principal's expectation of privacy was reasonable. In episode 11, we discussed the decision in Mersey Tunnel Users Association and the Information Commissioner and Mersey Travel, where the Information Tribunal ruled, for the first time, that legal advice should be disclosed on grounds of public interest, despite the Section 42 exemption for legal professional privilege. Another recent decision sheds light on this difficult exemption. In Foreign and Commonwealth Office and the Information Commissioner, dated the 29th of April, the request concerned the legal advice received by the FCO about non-payment of pensions by the Zimbabwe government to its former employees resident in the UK. The critical issue was whether the UK government might have a legal responsibility for the payment of such pensions or might be liable in tort for losses suffered by unpaid pensioners. The tribunal decided that on the facts of this case it was not in the public interest to disclose the legal advice. It went on to state that there can be no hard and fast rules as to when legal advice should be disclosed. The most obvious cases would be those where there is reason to believe that the authority is misrepresenting the advice which it has received, where it is pursuing a policy which appears to be unlawful, or where there are clear indications that it has ignored unequivocal advice which it obtained. The public interest in disclosure is weak, where it simply enables the requester to understand better the legal arguments relevant to the issues concerned. It is weaker still, where there is the possibility of future litigation in which those arguments will be deployed. The tribunal further stated that disclosure of privileged legal opinions is not a substitute for legal aid. Over the past few years, there have been many decisions of the Information Commissioner and the Tribunal on the Section 43 exemption. They have espoused the general rule that the price paid for goods or services by a public authority should be disclosed as being in the public interest. It may therefore come as a surprise to hear that the BBC was recently successful in withholding the cost of its new weather graphic system on the grounds that disclosure would prejudice its and its suppliers' commercial interests. The decision, dated the 17th of March, seems on the face of it to fly in the face of the general principle 
that the public have a right to know how their money is being spent. But in agreeing with the BBC, the Commissioner gave weight to the fact that the system under discussion does not have an off-the-shelf price that is generally available. Rather, in each case, purchasers are likely to enter into detailed discussions about which features of the current system are required together with any additional features. This, together with a number of other factors, will affect the price at which the company offers the system. The Commissioner agreed with the BBC that disclosure of the price paid in isolation is likely to place the company at a disadvantage when negotiating other contracts. Potential customers will try to use this price as a bargaining tool without being aware of the other factors taken into account by the BBC when selecting the company as its supplier. The Commissioner was also satisfied that disclosure of the information would or would be likely to prejudice the BBC's commercial interests. In reaching this decision, the Commissioner considered the fact that this wasn't a one-off contract. If the price the BBC paid for this system was known to rivals, they would then be in a position to artificially inflate their bid. In considering the public interest in transparency, the Commissioner felt that the BBC should not be placed at a disadvantage against its commercial rivals not subject to FOI by having to disclose information about the costs, especially where such costs would not add to the public understanding significantly and where value for money controls and information is already available from the BBC through other mechanisms. Many public authorities receive requests for information about recruitment and selection exercises, often from unsuccessful applicants. Here a balance has to be struck between transparency and maintaining confidentiality of documents which may be the subject of third-party copyright. The public authority may also wish to reuse the documents in future recruitment exercises. In a decision involving the Advisory Conciliation and Arbitration Service, known as ACAS, an employee sought information relating to an assessment and development centre he had attended to help determine suitability for promotion. Although a substantial amount of information was released to the complainant, ACAS withheld some information under Section 43 on the grounds that release of it would prejudice its commercial interests as well as those of the company from which it had obtained the documentation. The Commissioner concluded that ACAS applied this exemption correctly in relation to the prejudice that would be caused to the commercial interests of the company. However, it did not feel that Section 43 was engaged in relation to its own commercial interests. The Commissioner noted the contents of a number of the clauses in the relevant terms and conditions of the contract between ACAS and the company, from which it was clear that the company maintained intellectual property rights in the material under discussion, and that materials supplied by the company are required to be used only for the purposes supplied and not in any manner outside those purposes. The company had not given its consent to the reuse of that information and had a concern that if the materials ended up in the wrong hands, they could be used in such a way where its commercial position would be jeopardised and its reputation would suffer. Release of this information would be a release to the whole world in a manner which would be uncontrolled and therefore the Commissioner accepted that this would cause a real and significant risk to the commercial interests of the company. That concludes this month's podcast. All these decisions will be discussed in my forthcoming Freedom of Information Update workshops. More details at www.actnow.org.uk This podcast was brought to you by me, Ibrahim Hassan. I specialise in all aspects of information rights law, particularly freedom of information, data protection and surveillance law. My clients include local authorities, the NHS and government agencies. 
I'm also happy to give second opinions on complex freedom of information requests received by your authority. If you'd like to take advantage of this service, please get in touch. Thank you for listening. The scripts for all previous podcasts with clickable links are available on my website www.informationlaw.org.uk Until the next time, goodbye.